How have you cultivated a secure functioning relationship with your partner? A secure functioning relationship is characterized by two people agreeing to work together as a team to share, to be fair, and to be kind. Welcome to Normalize the Conversation. I'm your host, Francesca Reichter, and today I'm joined by the best-selling author of six books and the developer of The Path, the psychobiological approach to couples therapy, Dr. Stan Tatkin. In today's episode, we're learning to understand, create, and sustain secure functioning relationships. Join us as we explore the importance of communication, shifting from I to we, and following the 10 relationship commandments. Stan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for our conversation. But before we begin, I want to check in. How are you really? How am I really? I have a friend that uh, that's answers uh, always um, good enough. Um, I'm good enough. I think that's a fair answer. That's that's a really good answer. Yeah. Like good enough. I love that. It's yeah. so hard to answer that question sometimes, and I think there's a lack of direct communication in the sense of the how are you. People often see it as a greeting, and they don't make the effort to even check in with their loved ones and have a conversation of how are you mm-hmm. and take a moment and answer honestly. It's a very, very confusing world that we don't usually answer that question. I'm really excited for our conversation today. We're going to talk about secure functioning relationships, specifically when parents become empty nesters. I know from my personal experience through my cousins and my aunts and uncles, Seeing how much the family unit really revolves around the kids and the kids being home all the time, how difficult it is for so many people to foster a healthy relationship when suddenly it's just the two of them. So I'm really excited for this conversation. I am too, because I have a lot to say about that. So first, can you tell us what a secure functional relationship is? So secure functioning is not the same as secure attachment, even though I write about attachment theory. Secure functioning, think of that as a set of social contracts that if we're you and I, we would enter into agreements uh, that would protect us from each other, like we have uh, each other's backs at all times. We protect each other in public and private. We tell each other everything. Because we agreed to, and why not? And uh, what would be the problem if we didn't? And so secure functioning are agreements with permission to enforce that two people create uh, in order to have a structure, in order to have a culture, uh, relationship ethics, so to speak. And so a relationship really doesn't exist in reality. It's a made-up thing, right? We make up a relationship. And hopefully we're making up the same thing. Otherwise, there's trouble. So think of a uh, of a love relationship as a mythos, a uh, mythology that you and I or you and whoever um, co-create from the bottom up, and it's to our pleasure. It's to uh, it's it's form fitted to our uh, current lives and not our past lives. And along with that. Um, we're coming up with agreements that ensure that you and I remain fair, just, and mutually sensitive at all times. 
collaborative and cooperative. That's secure functioning. I love that collaborative and cooperative. I think that a lot of times, I mean, I can say from my experience watching TV, we see a lot of dysfunctional relationships and we think that's normal. That's how relationships should be. There should be constant arguing and lack of trust and secrets going behind each other's backs. And when that's kind of what you see as your initial understanding of what a relationship should look like, especially if you don't come from a home that has that healthy, secure, functioning relationship, it can be very difficult to understand that relationships should be collaborative. There should be communication. People should feel safe and secure and part of the relationship instead of just existing inside of something that makes them feel like they're walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. Well, if again, making up something, if you and I were in an agreement, um, uh, we'd have to guarantee each other's felt sense of safety and security. Otherwise, we're no better off together than we would be uh, in the wild, right? So this is a uh, a pact, uh, an agreement between two people or more uh, that um, make their home, which is a virtual home, right? It's the relationship better than anything they could uh, hope for um, or as good as what they could hope for because they can, right? make these agreements, but most people don't. Um, You would if you were starting a band or a dance troupe, or if you were in the military, you would have to think uh, this way, uh, interdependence, right? Uh, Or if you were cop car partners, you, right, you want to stay alive. And so um, you definitely have each other's backs. That's part of the deal. Only Only love relationships do we not have any kind of idea about how to keep it happy and how to uh, make sure that it lasts a long time. Love doesn't do it. Emotions don't do it. Only purpose-centered agreements do it. That is so true. And I never thought about it that way. When, when we have even friendships, we tend to have an understanding of what we want from our friends. We tend to be very honest and support each other, hopefully. Hopefully we're supporting mm-hmm. each other. With coworkers, right? We're there. We have your back, hopefully, and are hopefully working for the success of the company together. So when we enter into a intimate relationship with a partner, we should have that same approach where we want to support each other, build each other up, and be there together as a unit instead of kind of seeing ourselves as separate units. Right. It's a team sport. I'd rather think of it, have you ever seen a three-legged race <clears throat> where the inner legs are tied together? <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about. If I took you and your prospective partner and tied your legs together for a week or a month, if I were allowed to do that, then you would get the idea of what secure functioning is. You move together or you don't move. That's a really, really great way to look at it. It's so important, again, like we're saying, to work together, to move together, to yeah. collaborate, to communicate, to be there. And as we look into getting to that point where usually we're getting to that middle age point where kids are going away to college, they're moving out, they're studying their own lives. For so long, the unit has maybe been multiple legs tied together. 
And now it's really coming back to the center of the parents. And a lot of times they just don't, there's a lack of that foundation because for so long it's been, I have work, I have kids, I have this, I have that, and all these responsibilities and not a lot of teamwork with the two of them. Because they started that way. Again, structure is everything. You and I have to build it before we can actually live in it. But a lot of people don't build a structure. And they're, uh, it's like flying a plane that's not fully built. Uh, it's a dangerous thing. So it starts by what is going to be the most important thing. Uh, what's going to be our highest value um, going forward as a couple, as a union, as an alliance, as a team, right? Is it going to be our relationship uh, comes first above and beyond everything and everyone else? Is it going to be children? Is it going to be money? Is it going to be our careers? Is it going to be ourselves, families of origin? All of that matters because uh, we have to be pointing in the same direction or we'll fight. I'm uh, of the belief, it doesn't have to be this way, that the relationship should come first before and above and beyond any anything and everything else. And the reason for that is that if, if uh, you and your partner are equals to bosses, to executives, to generals, right? The roof of the house, the big cojones, uh, then it makes sense. You are, if you're leaders together, you are in charge of everyone and everything. And if you're not in good shape as a couple, everything and everything, everything and everyone suffers, right? Including children. So that's why there's a hierarchy. The couple system is at the top. So when you said, yeah, everyone's legs are tied together, man, first and foremost, it's the adult partners, the parents. They have to be in lockstep with each other as two different people. That's doable. Um, and work really well uh, together because everyone is depending on them being good, right? And that's why. So you and I were going to talk about a little bit about empty nest and and how that happens. Uh, that partners don't know what to do with each other after kids leave the nest, and it's because they dropped the couple. Uh, the couple should have existed from the very beginning to the very end as you know, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, and boyfriend, whatever. Um, and that has to exist all the way. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, uh, the partners will lose their reason for even being together. And it can't be the kids. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of times we hear that people stay together for the kids, and it really does come down to that foundation, like you said. So yes. for someone who Maybe someone like me who doesn't have a relationship yet, who's one day hoping to find that soulmate, that perfect person for me. How do people start building that secure, functional relationship from the get-go? What kind of conversations or communications should be had? Well, first, I would advise you and your listeners to not look for the right person, but to look for the right relationship. I like that. Describe, write down your perfect relationship with person X. We, and it's, and it's every sentence starts with we. Um, we put the relationship first. If that's what you want, we tell each other everything. If that's what you want, 
Um, we are radically devoted to each other's safety and security. We are um, radically protective of each other. Um, we um, we make decisions together by getting uh, uh, each other on board first before moving. We can't make we can't move until we get each other fully on board, right? I want it. You want it. Win win. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. So think about write down starting with safety and security, then love, affection, sex, then growth, uh, you know, adventure, uh, you know, whatever else you want to do. You know, you start to write, we do this. This is what we do. This is who we are, how we operate, how we do business together. I love that. And then then you start to um, vet people to see if, um, they're the kind of people who are going to agree with you and going to want the same thing, um, right? That's what you want. Otherwise, you'll make the mistake of looking for the perfect person, which there is none. All people are a pain in the ass. All people are disappointing. All people are irritating and annoying. Um, there is no such thing as a uh, you know a low-maintenance person over time up close. So there's a lot of fallacies there. So what you want is somebody who's willing to play the same game that you want. Full stop. I love that reframe because I guess it was taught that this is what I want, what I want, what I want. And it was never we. But by switching it to we, it automatically turns into a collaborative unit. It automatically turns into together we want to do this. We want to build this instead of that kind of blame game where it's like you're not this you didn't do this when it should be a function of how can we support each other so that reframes it from the beginning with the manifestation of what you want i love and and the first thing is do we want to uh support each other i want a relationship where we support each other what about you and be honest um well yeah we support each other but you know you're responsible for yourself and you know if we if you're hurt you know that's your problem uh it's your feelings i'm not responsible that's someone you want to pass on if you believe in secure functioning um because it's a lot like being in the foxhole together the two of you uh depend on each other for everything for your for safety for lives for your lives for your health for everything and so it's got to be a two-way street, um, right? So that's what you listen for. You listen to somebody really interested. If you were to start anything um, where it's based on terms and conditions and you want people to come on board, you would have a vision. Here's where we're going. And you'd have a purpose. Here's why we're doing this. Are you in? You know, does that, is that attractive to you? Uh, that's that's what keeps all unions in a free society together. Shared purpose, shared vision, period. Uh, and so how do you do that from the very beginning? Uh, carefully, because when you're dating, no one wants to be asked, you know. So, hey, um, uh, do you want a relationship where, uh, where we come first, uh, the relationship comes first? And the other person is thinking, hmm, too soon. Uh, so I think I think this is, you know, you get a sense as you're watching and paying attention to this new person. Um, who are they really? Right. Really um, listening to the what person. Do they really believe. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to what they say and then what their actions look like. 
because it should align. And if it doesn't, maybe they're not the right person for you. Maybe they are. But it's really important to pay attention and hear what people are saying, but see what they're showing you as well. And I think having that healthy foundation really does sound like it builds for future through the relationship. But what are some red flags that the relationship is starting to not be prioritized anymore? Well, someone's going to feel it. Right? Someone's going to feel it and someone's going to complain. And again, do we have do we have an agreement that if one of us complains that uh, uh, we're feeling lonely, we feel insecure in the relationship, <clears throat> do we already have an agreement that if either of us do that, the other person is on it like that? No argument, uh, nothing. Uh, I'm in charge of your well-being. I'm in charge of your uh, safety and security. I can't afford for you to feel uh, insecure because you'll act strange. Um, and so I do whatever I must to shore that up. And you do that with me. So if you don't have an agreement, pre previous agreements with permission to enforce, you're kind of uh, in a bad way, right? Because that's how we do everything is previous agreement and permission to enforce. It really sounds like it all centers around a form of communication, understanding what each party wants and being willing to have that conversation to enforce the agreement that you've came up with together instead of, I think a lot of times people are afraid maybe to say something or afraid, what if I say something and they don't react well? But it sounds like effective communication really is the root of that secure relationship. And if someone is unwilling to talk about it and unwilling to listen and to follow that agreement, maybe they're not in the relationship in the same place that you are. Right. Right. Uh, watch what people do, not what they say. Uh, people will say a lot of things and uh, often people will say, I, yeah, I want that, but I'll never do anything to get it because it's too much work and I don't want it that much. Here we're talking about things that we must do because other, otherwise we're not going to be happy. And, uh, it's mutually assured destruction if we do things that could harm the union. So we have to have somebody, including ourselves, that believe in principles and um, and aren't going to violate them, um, uh, you know, because that destroys the union, right? It's a two-person system. It has mm -hmm. to be or it won't work. So you want somebody who's willing to do the hardest thing, um, but it's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah, you have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. It is a two-person system. It's amazing to kind of you've already reframed relationships for me. So thank you for that. It's really important that we understand it's a two-way street and that we both have to be part of it. But what happens when maybe now you add kids into the equation? How do you continue to maintain that relationship while also having more responsibilities maybe at the forefront? Well, we wrote a book called Baby Bomb, which is actually preparing the couple for the baby. Not It's not about the baby. It's about the couple remaining a couple uh, before, during, and after the birth. Uh, and right, so it starts with that. Uh, child rearing is a couple exercise, right? It's it's a, one of the projects that you and I would do, 
the other could be building a house or it could be, uh, you know, uh, moving somewhere or whatever it is. So we're both parents, um, but we're a couple first. We're uh, both parents and, um, and we make sure that we're on the same page with our purpose. Probably it's going to be to be the best parents we could be. And our vision, which is probably going to be, you know, what's the end result? Uh, what do we want for our kids? How do we want them to turn out? And that levels the field um, for people who are going to parent differently, but we're going to aim in the same direction. Uh, but we're a couple because kids are passing through. We don't own them. Yeah. And so uh, that's the attitude. But unfortunately, what happens is something quite different. Um, the first child sometimes creates jealousy because they've gone from twos to threes. And that's an intrusion, an intrusion for at least one of them. And then there is the, uh, like you said, uh, you know, the lack of sleep and the stress and all the things you have to do. Uh, but that's part of the gig, right? Uh, uh, partners are collaborators. They are allies. They cannot be adversaries. That wouldn't make sense. So they have to work together uh, through that whole thing. But again, uh, you know, the, the relationship has to be intact. Or what people will do is they start to split the kids and each parent starts to co-op one of the kids. And that's a sign of a bad, bad relationship, actually. Yeah, and it's yeah. not a healthy relationship or household for the kids to grow up in when they're constantly being kind of forced to choose one parent over the other. It's, and it, yeah. it's not fair. And it's also not modeling a healthy relationship for them to then look to in the future. So it's really important to maintain that communication, maintain that collaboration and not switch to this mindset where it's we just have to be together but we want to be together. Right. We want to be together because of what we do, not how we feel. What we do is awesome. We do incredible things because we set the bar high um, and we make sure that we get there, right? So uh, my wife and I have uh, one where if one of us is in distress, the other one drops what they're doing right away and ministers to that partner. That's uh, an inconvenience, right? Uh, but it's also uh, a nice inconvenience if you're the one who's being taken care of. So it's worth it, right? Uh, and so we uh, so we do it, even though it could be a hard thing to do in, in moments. Uh, we If we get into a fight, um, we have to repair within about 30 minutes, uh, no longer than 45 minutes. That's really hard to do. But we decided that that's the best thing we could do, even though it's the hardest. So that's the idea of setting up purpose-centered principles. We decide what a good life is as a couple based on what we think is best, what we think is right, not somebody else. And then we hold each other to it. Otherwise, we're, you know, it's the Wild West, right? Yeah. So... So this is a, a different model, very different way of looking at things, but it's been this way since the beginning of civilization. People coming together based on terms and conditions, deal or no deal, unless it's slavery or dictatorship. The purpose-centered principles that are what's right for you sounds 
for Amazing. both. All right, for both of you. Yes, we're switching to the we, not the I. I need to learn this. Very important. But it also sounds like it can be kind of difficult to figure out what those principles are for the relationship. So what were some of the ways that you kind of decided, I mean, for between 30 and 45 minutes, you have to repair that argument. How do you come up with the principles that are right for the relationship? Well, there's a there's a psychobiological reason for the 30 minutes. Um, uh, it has to do with our threat system and, and our memory system. Anything that goes too long that's intense will go into long-term memory. And unless you want to keep litigating the past because of damage that was not repaired, then take your time. But I would advise against that. The reason you fix things right away is you won't remember them. Right. We could uh, you could bump into each other, irritate each other, as people do uh, throughout the day. But if you're really good at this and you know how to repair, how to fall on your own sword and apologize, nobody will remember. You just think that oh, it was a good day. So also it, there's a health cost. Uh, the longer you go without repair, uh, the sicker we become because of uh, hormones and neurotransmitters that are it's called cytotoxic. They burn cells. So that period uh, between uh, the breach in a relationship and repair isn't neutral. Um, we're causing a lot of wear and tear in the body and the brain. And the relationship becomes more dangerous. So there's no upside. So, yeah, we do that. Um, we can go. We have another one. We can go to bed angry, but, but uh, we have to at least touch toes. Well, that's cute. What's the science behind that? Um, There is an existential issue with us human primates having to do with losing our primary attachment figure, which goes all the way back to if mommy dies, I die. goes all the way back to infancy, where our lives depend on that existence of that primary attachment figure. So when you and I get into a fight, there's a part of us that actually wonders if the relationship is okay, whether it will exist tomorrow. So uh, so uh, you going to me and saying, you know, I hate you right now, I'm really pissed, but we're okay, is everything, right? Is everything. Because get to relax, I can handle you being mad at me. I can't handle the idea that you might leave or this might be over. Um, and the same thing with sleeping at night. So it takes care of that matter um, and takes it off the table, which is important for being able to go to sleep. I love uh, this. But it also works. I love this because, I mean, you wouldn't think about how quickly you need to make up with someone or how just a small sense of touch can make a big impact in a relationship. Yeah. These these aren't the kind of conversations we're being taught, right? Or that are being held, or at least not the the conversations that I have access to, or have looked for. I guess touch touch is an uh, for most people is an unequivocal signal of friendliness that suggests we're okay, and that's pretty much when it comes to uh, it's the least thing you can do for repair, but it's also sometimes the best thing. So uh, not talking and not uh, going through with the deep issues that led to this. Uh, it's much more 
of my going to you and saying, you know what, um, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. I should not have done that. I don't blame you for being upset with me. Full stop. Without saying, uh, but I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't done this, right? Without giving excuses. Um, that takes a lot of character. And that that's what we call falling on our sword for the relationship, right? Everything is for the relationship, um, not in terms of being right. You, know, you can be right or you can be in a relationship. So this is about growing up and in, in learning how to be in an interdependent relationship um, where we, we have to care about the other person's well-being or we won't be okay. I can't get anything at your cost because I'll pay for it. And so it has to be win-win. It has to be good for you and good for me or it won't work. And that takes a different kind of thinking. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's like one of us has to win. One of us has to be right. But it should be, like you said, a win-win. We should now, be if one of us, if one of us, If one of us loses, it, I can prove that it's actually lose-lose. There's, there's nothing I can do to you that won't come back to me, good or bad. And so, um, so we're interdependent. We have the same things to gain and the same things to lose. So messing with you is messing with myself because I'm telling you, you can do the same thing to me. That makes sense. And it's so important that we, I mean, like you said, it's growing up. It's growing up and having effective communication. It's growing up and being willing to apologize and not start blaming. It's willing to not start name calling and attacking someone and being willing to, like you said, fall on the sword for the relationship. And just for some reason, it's so much easier. It can be so much easier to just be like, you did this, you did this, instead of apologizing for what you did and being willing to just be there. Yes. And it's very hard to do because we have a very acute survival instinct. And we pick up threat very easily. So if I start to feel threatened, I don't care about you. I care about my interests only. And you start to care about your interests only. And as soon as we do that, we go to war. Uh, And so this is um, being above and beyond what the average human primate is, which is not great when not happy, right? Um, Even the worst of us, uh, is okay when happy, right? You may not want to be around that person when they're not. So you and I have to plan for our devils, not our angels. Um, uh, how can we hurt each other? How can we damage each other uh, just by being ourselves? And then what do we put in place to make sure that we can't, right? Without well, we can't do that. So it is organizational. It's thinking ahead. It's not taking for granted that this union is based on emotion or feeling because feelings and emotions go up and down all around. We have to plan for when I don't like you, when I'm mad at you, when I hate you. Um, And if we don't have purpose-centered principles, we will start to act like we feel. And that's on the way to uh, killing the relationship. So it is hard to do, but it's worth it. Sounds like it's worth it. 
I can't wait to one day be part of a we that's set up like that because let me tell you, the last situationship I was in resulted in this guy turning to me and he's like, sorry, I just don't have empathy for people anymore. And I was, when he, when I said you're being very mean to me, he's like, sorry, I don't have empathy for people anymore. And I was like, maybe, maybe this isn't good. Yeah, maybe and, you should um, start thinking about animals instead. Yeah. So learning that, that effective communication, learning that purpose-centered principles Learning that it's a we and that it can't be all about you. Can't be a name, a blame game. It has to be a union is so important. And now switching gears, we've had the kids. We're in this relationship. Kids are growing up, getting ready to leave the house. How do, I mean, how can a relationship in that change when the kid leaves the house? Well, remember, we've been planning for this. We didn't just avoid each other and avoid what's coming. Um, we plan ahead. We predict, plan, and prepare for everything. Uh, that's the smart thing to do. We're the adults in the room, uh, right? Uh, and so, and it's important for us to have a life afterwards, or uh, the kids may feel like they have to stick around in order to hold us together. Uh, if we have a life, then uh, it kind of forces the kids to have a life too, because we're busy doing our thing now. So, uh, so again, all of this is done ahead of time. Here's an example. Um, Tracy and I also have another principle. We have a lot of them, but we've only enough to where it's like 10 commandments where it's easy to remember them, right? Um, we do affectionate, um, loving, appreciative, admiring things for each other throughout every day, throughout every day. Now, the question is, you know, how does my wife want to be appreciated, loved, and romanced? Uh, it's to, you know, her desire, and, uh, and she does it to my desire, right? Now, the big question is, uh, for a purpose-centered principle like this, do we do this when we're angry with each other? And the answer, of course, has to be yes. Do we do it when we hate each other's guts? The answer has to be yes. Um in all cases, it must be done because we set it uh, as having a valuable purpose. And therefore, that's a good life. So it keeps us in line and it keeps us doing the things we say that we must do in order for uh, goodness, right? In order for having a good life. And uh, so, um, you know, that's a purpose-centered principle. It has to be done, so say us both. Therefore, it is written, sacrosanct, and if you break it, the only thing you can do is beg for forgiveness and make it right. That's the only thing I can do. Um, and that makes the relationship easier, and it keeps us safe from each other. I love that you said it's to her desire, to your desire. It's meeting each other's needs where you're at, and it's not a lot of times... I want to say like love language, we tend to assume everyone's love language is the same as ours. And it's not. So paying attention to what the other person wants, what they need, being willing to ask them so that you can listen to them and support them and provide that for them is essential. But you can't live on this assumption that everyone has the exact same needs and desires as you. Uh, that's true. Something we should have learned at uh, about four or five, but some people never learn it. 
on, yeah, you're different people. Uh, you're not the same. Uh, that's a big mistake if you think so. And uh, you're supposed to be different. So as you wish, um, how do you want your love? How do you want your apology? How do you want um, your affection? How do you want to be talked to? Um, all of these things matter because uh, if if I don't do it this way, again, uh, that'll become threatening to both of us. And we don't want to do that. Um, uh, uh, we want to avoid threat at all costs and and lower interpersonal stress in our relationship to a very low hum because life is going to be hard and stressful. We need our resources to handle everything and everyone. Um, and so uh, that's the investment. We make our relationship as easy as possible, and that's an ongoing thing as we learn each other. And we actually serve each other, not ourselves. And that's the way we get served. Right? Now, codependency is in one direction only. This is not codependency. This is uh, you do it, I do it. I don't do it, you don't do it, right? Uh, this is our agreements, and uh, we hold each other to it. Now, do these agreements ever change, or can you ever add more or take some away based on where you're at? Yes. You're the legislators. You're the creators. There's nobody else. It shouldn't be anybody else. Certainly shouldn't be your family of origin. Um, that's somebody else's culture. That's somebody else's way of, of doing things. Uh, you had no choice, right? You're a kid. But now you're the creators. And now you, know, you have no excuse. You have to make it in your own image. You know, both of yours, right? And that's that's a good relationship, right? That that continues to be good because you're both invested in making this um, work for both of you. Yeah. As you as you move through time, yeah. Working for both of you as you move through time because. As life changes, things may change, and looking at how you can adapt those principles to adapt to where you are is important. The world changes, have Body kids, change. kids leave, things happen, and you have to, it's okay for things to change, and it's okay to change the way your relationship works together in a positive way. Yeah. But the big things that you and I come up with are usually good for all time. It's not time dependent, right? Um, um, but things can change. Uh, God, almost anything. But certainly bodies will change. Um, uh, our brains will change because we're, you know, we're uh, going through upgrades throughout life, right? And uh, with every upgrade, uh, we want to go backwards. And we uh, wish we didn't have to deal with more complexity. Um, and sometimes we want to get away from our lives. So all of this is to, uh, to make it possible that if we're here to please each other, if we're here to serve each other, uh, not at our own cost, but that it's good for both of us, that's kind of a good union to stay in. Not a lot of reasons to get out. Right. Not a lot of reasons to get out um, and more to stay in. And so, uh, you know, this is about earned love, earned respect. 
not the kind that just passes through like the wind. Right? Absolutely. But I'm curious for couples that maybe don't have that secure functional foundation, is it possible for them to start building it later on? Yeah, absolutely. What are some ways that people can maybe recognize, hey, we're not in this for the we and we want to be? What are some of those beginning steps I guess someone could take? By re-upping, by um by understanding that we are together not because of love. We don't have to do this. This is voluntary. And it's based on terms and conditions, deal or no deal. If you're wanting something that I think is unfair, it's no deal. So we have to work that out to see if we can find a place where we are both in agreement, right? And that should be done at all times anyway. So you can start at any point um, rather than throw the baby out with the bathwater and you know, leave your partner for another unknown, right? Because you don't know that person. Now you, you've been with this person. You know a lot about them. You also know what not to do um, when, you, when it's a teardown and you're rebuilding a whole new structure. And this has been done across time and with all human beings. Uh, countries have done this. Communities have done this. Um, um, families have done this. Businesses do it. And we decide we're going to restructure. We decide we're going to create uh, a new system based on what we want now, not yesterday. And so that's how people should look at it. We are going to sit down and dream. We're going to sit down and imagine what, what do we want to be in five years as a couple, 10 years as a couple? Um, you know, how can we make this relationship amazing? not just passable, right? But you have, we have to be serious about it because two people can do this. One person can't. Two people can do a lot. <laughs> if they work well together, they can create amazing things. Two people that are very different, um, if they accept each other's differences, that's their superpower. Um, they're able to do things together because there's checks and balances. We think differently. Um, that's a great thing. <laughs> so it, it really, it's an attitudinal thing. It's a creative thing. And it is uh, belief in, uh, in co-creating something that, that is so wonderful that we would want to do it. And is so safe that we would want to be there. And we're going to make sure uh, that we do what we say. Otherwise, I could fire you. It sounds you, like you can fire me. It sounds like wherever we are in our relationship, if we don't have that foundation, it's not too late to start. And we can start asking each other the right questions and yeah. making that decision to work together with that passion, with that purpose. It's not too late. Except the problem is we're lazy creatures and we do the least amount necessary. Um, and couples. Uh, are burdened with uh, several things. One, a very long memory going all the way back to infancy because it's uh, it's a dependency kind of relationship reminiscent of the earliest ones. 
So it has a long memory. And, um, you know, if you've had a turbulent past, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to have a turbulent present. So that's one. Two is couples uh, kind of uh, get into the place where they think they're family, which they're not. And so partners will lose their formalities, which are necessary to get along, right? Um, family can get away with anything, but strangers who are trying to get to know each other can't. So, uh, so there, there are, are entitlements in couples, right? I'm entitled to this because this is how I was in my family of origin. You, sh you should do what I grew up with. No, that's not true. But, right, there's all sorts of issues that aren't there with other unions. Other unions don't work that way. That's why I write what I write and I hawk what I hawk because I have done a lot of research and a lot of thinking and worked a lot with couples. This is the only thing that could actually work and could last a long time and be happy. Uh, anything else would be too unfair, too unjust, uh, too insensitive to go very far without accruing threat and resentment. You are amazing. And I just, again, I'm so amazed by this reframe from I to we and how we can build that unit together, how we can create that passion and that purpose. So as we are wrapping up, can you offer a piece of advice? Can I just say one thing? Yes. For people who freak out with the we, this, this you know, secure functioning isn't for the faint of heart. Um, both people have to be fully independent and autonomous. Both have to be willing to lead. Both have to be able to tolerate pain. Both have to be able to tolerate the fact that they're different um, and accept it and, and not be a, a pain in the ass. Uh, both have to be able to grieve losses and recognize losses, right? Otherwise, it'll infect uh, or be a problem in behavior in the relationship. And uh, both have to be able to do the right thing when it's the hardest thing to do. And uh, and a lot of people have a hard time with that. They want to do what feels best right now, even though it kills the relationship, even though it destroys you. I feel good, right? I feel better. And and so it does take a higher level of character, discipline, and, and belief in something greater than oneself. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, it does. And it's so easy, like you said, to do the easy thing, to do what's best for me in this moment. And like you said, it can kill the relationship. Yeah. It's so important to create these principles, to abide by them, to be willing to communicate and to grow together. As we're wrapping up, can you offer a piece of advice to couples who maybe don't have that foundation yet and are interested in getting started? Well, I would read one of my books. Um, uh, the new edition, second edition of Wired for Love <clears throat> is coming out next year. But uh, we do, and in each other's care, are, I think, really good books. Um, for that. There are some others. Um, I You could uh, come to our, one of our workshops we do online throughout the year. Um, but in the meantime, I would, uh, the take home here is uh, fix things fast, learn the art of falling on your own sword for the relationship. Your partner will start to do the same. It's catching. 
and um, start doing that now because of reason, apologies, and, uh, and um, amends were invented uh, was to keep us alive, uh, to keep us from going to war, from being sued, and to keep our families intact and to keep, hold our relationships together. So if you're not doing that now, I would start. There Nothing else. Dan, you are amazing. Where can people connect with you, find your books, find your workshop? By going to um, thepactinstitute.com. So it's the, P-A-C-T, institute.com. And there you can get information for a couple of retreats and a couple of workshops if you're in the biz. Um, this started off as training. Um, uh, it's pretty complex um but it's worth it and it's fun so we train therapists and uh, and other people in the mental health field so both thank you so much for listening to normalize the conversation don't forget to subscribe rate and review this podcast is an initiative of inspiring my generation focusing on normalizing the conversation bringing education and awareness to the forefront and amplifying global voices to spark change and hope. Inspiring My Generation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization on a mission towards suicide prevention through awareness, conversation, education, and support. Connect with us on Instagram at inspiringmygeneration and visit our website inspiringmygeneration.org to learn more about our work and how you can make a difference.